Hey, 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 welcome back all you crimeaholics. It's your host Holly and I am back for another episode of Crimeaholics. Before we get started today, I wanted to talk to you guys real quick about my friend Ken and his podcast that I think is amazing. It's called Public Safety Talk Radio, and it's a podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, correctional workers, healthcare workers, and more. I really think you guys would enjoy listening to Ken's podcast, and he does an amazing job in all of his work. Obviously, we love true crime, and it's nice to hear Ken bring guests on his show that work in the field. So be sure to check out his work because he is a pretty awesome dude. Today's episode is like one we have never done before. I cannot wait for you guys to tell me what you think about this one. But let me just say this one is going to be wild. This story does not consist of our typical murder or missing person. Instead, this consists of an expected but still equally sad death and a stolen body. This is the story of Julie Mott and her missing remains. Julie Mott was a normal, all-American girl. She was born on August 15, 1989, and at the age of two, she was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. And for those that aren't aware, according to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, it is a progressive genetic disease that causes persistent lung infections and limits the ability to breathe over time. Julie was not expected to live longer than three years, but she beat those odds and became your typical vibrant young woman. But despite her medical struggles, Julie went on to graduate high school in 2007 from Winston Churchill High School and then attended college between 2007 and 2010. She loved horses, being with friends and family, and just living life to the fullest despite her illness. However, sadly, at the age of 25, her battle with cystic fibrosis ended on August 8, 2015. And of course, her family was deeply saddened by the loss of Julie, but this was something that was expected for quite some time. Since this was something that she had struggled with for so long, she was able to make her wishes clear to her family. She wanted to be cremated. On August 15, 2015, what would have been Julie's 26th birthday, her family held a funeral for her at the Mission Park North Funeral Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. The place was packed with her friends and family and ex-boyfriend Bill Wilburn. Despite wanting to be cremated, her family rented a casket and held a normal memorial service for her. When the service was over, family lingered, but slowly they trickled out. Julie's ex-boyfriend, Bill Wilburn, stayed behind an additional 10 to 15 minutes until about 1.30 p.m. when an employee of the funeral home walked him out of the building and locked the doors behind him. They then wheeled the casket containing Julie inside into a rear hallway where it would stay overnight before being taken the following morning to an off-site crematory. 
The following morning, workers from the Mission Park North Funeral Chapel arrived at the funeral home and were about to prepare to take Julie's body to the crematory. But what they found was unlike anything that had ever been seen in the 110-year history of the funeral home. Julie's body was not inside of that casket. Not only that, but the casket had been pried open, damaging the outside of the casket and its hinges. According to my San Antonio, the beer, which is a movable frame that caskets rest on for easy transportation, was found in an unnatural position by an exit door. To their surprise, there was zero sign of forced entry and the funeral home's ADT system had not been triggered. And unfortunately, there was no cameras inside or outside of the building. Since there was no forced entry, they believed that the crime happened in broad daylight, sometime between 1.30 p.m. and 4.30 p.m. when employees left the funeral home for the night. And I just have to say how absolutely terrible this must have been for the Mott family. Though they knew their daughter was going to die, they of course were still mourning that loss. And for their mourning process to be interrupted because of something so outrageously crazy as her body being stolen is just so sad and it's completely unfathomable. All of her family wanted to do was fulfill her last dying wish to be cremated. But now that opportunity was completely at a standstill. The family was comforted by their good family friend named Robert Dixon Tips. And I just want to pause right here and say that when you research this case for yourself, you will find that Robert actually went by the name of Dick. Dick Tips. And just because of that reason, I am going to go ahead and call him by the name he is mentioned in these news articles. Dick Tips is actually the owner of the funeral home that Julie had been at. He was also a good family friend to the Mott family and had known Julie from birth, so naturally he was completely outraged that this had happened to Julie at his very own business. So he comes out with a $20,000 reward for information leading to the rest of the people responsible for the disappearance of her body. Dick Tips also was one of the lead individuals who led up several searches of the surrounding area for Julie Mott's body. After 14 days of Julie's body being missing, the family, friends, and people of the funeral home take their search to McAllister Park, which is just about 12 miles away from the funeral home. They began walking the heavily forested area that was covered in tons of cacti. And they stumbled upon a body. But this body wasn't Julie. Which this is absolutely crazy to me that while searching for a body, they found someone else's body. This body had apparently been badly decomposed and Spectrum News 1 stated that the body was believed to not be Julie Mott. And it had appeared that the body had been there for at least a month. The body was also burned and had been covered in plywood and brush in an attempt to hide it. I tried searching all over to see if this body had been identified and I literally could not find anything further other than that this was not Julie Mott. So let's hope that whoever this body belonged to that their family received closure. 
all of these searches ended up turning up with nothing. More and more things began coming into the media that have people questioning Julie's ex-boyfriend, Bill Wilburn. Before Bill was even named in news articles at all, they described him as obsessive. Apparently, the pair had met on Facebook and dated for six years before breaking up. According to Lord and Arts, her brother came out and said that there may have been some physical and emotional abuse going on between the pair, and that is why Julie decided to end it. By the time that Julie had passed away, Bill and Julie had been broken up for two years. But her family claims his obsessiveness continued with constant calls and texts while Julie lay on her deathbed. A month after Julie's body went missing, Dick Tips tells My San Antonio that they feel pretty comfortable that they know who it might be and that it's a process and it's like a puzzle of filling in the blanks and eliminating everybody. Comments like this had people super interested and had people discussing Julie's case on a forum board called My Death Space. In October, just a few months after Julie went missing, a random user went on to My Death Space and began commenting about Julie describing themselves to be the alleged quote-unquote obsessed boyfriend. The post from him is super long-winded, detailing things about their relationship and the day of Julie's funeral, about how he was the last one to leave, but there was three to four employees there when he had left. At the end, he wraps up to say that he did not take Julie. And people were really sympathetic on there, telling him how sorry they were for his loss, thanking him for being a part of the page, and discussing what had happened with Julie. Throughout Bill's postings, he kept suggesting that the funeral home did something to Julie or made a massive mistake, which isn't that crazy of an idea. Six months after Julie Mott's body went missing, the Mott family was on the outs with dick tips and decided to file a lawsuit against the Mission Park Funeral Chapel business. They were suing for gross negligence and seeking damages of more than $1 million. Which come to find out, this was not the first lawsuit in less than two years over other issues with bodies at the hands of Mission Park staff. According to Express News, one of the other lawsuits against the Mission Park Funeral Chapel was for confusing someone's deceased father with someone else's loved one. They mistakenly dressed the wrong corpse in their dad's favorite suit and jewelry. The family was then assured that the right body of their father would be dressed in his clothing for viewing. But when they arrived at the viewing, they were presented with the body of someone else. At this point, the staff admitted that they did not know where their father's body was and conducted a two to three hour search for him, only to find out he was mistakenly sent to a different funeral home. So clearly negligence is a problem at this funeral home. Not only that, but I do find it odd that they would move Julie's casket into a rear hallway to leave it overnight. I'm not sure if this is proper protocol or what places usually do with bodies that need to be transported after funerals, but I feel that moving them into an open hallway to hang out for the night is a little bit odd. About 10 months after Julie's body was stolen, Bill Wilburn was tired of being named the main suspect and decided to break his silence by contacting news.com.au to discuss things about Julie's family. 
He hurled many different accusations at her family about how they treated him during his time with Julie. And he continues on to say he couldn't properly mourn the loss of her after all of this. Bill continued his postings on My Death Space and they got more and more bizarre as time went on. He talks in length about how someone either stole her remains or the funeral home is completely at fault and doing everything they can to avoid taking responsibility. Bill also mentions in several posts that police came in and raided his home, bringing in dogs to smell around his home, his grandparents' home, as well as his car, only to find nothing. But one thing that completely took the users of My Death Space and Julie's family by surprise was during one of Bill's wild rants on the form board, he keeps pointing the finger at staff of the funeral home for doing something to Julie. He even goes as far as mentioning that the casket appeared to have been tampered with, which this was not something that the police had released to the public. So how he knew that the casket was damaged and tampered with is a little bit baffling. Also, I want to note here is something I learned while doing my research. In order to open a casket, you need to have a casket key. They don't just lift up easily. So if, and that's a big if, someone from the funeral home decided they wanted to steal Julie's body or even if they mistakenly sent her somewhere else, they would know how to properly open the casket without causing these damages. Which makes me even more suspicious of Bill. Users of My Death Space started to feel really uncomfortable with Bill and somehow word gets back to Julie's family that Bill is on there rambling and saying awful things about her family. Her brother John gets on there and calls him out. He goes off about how he needs to quit being a chicken shit and take the polygraph that he originally agreed to but then backed out of. The two hash it out back and forth throwing accusations at each other, and at one point Bill says it must have been John who stole her body because he was acting creepy around her that day. I will have the link to the thread in the description of this episode if anyone wants to get on and sift through the 100 plus pages, but what I can tell you is Bill is odd. A few years later, Bill was arrested and charged with two counts of criminal trespassing, and can you guess where he was trespassing at? If you guess the funeral home, you got it right. But come to find out, this was not the first time he had been trespassing at the property. Apparently, a few weeks after Julie's body went missing, Bill had been on and around the property harassing employees of the funeral home. My San Antonio reports that Bill called the funeral home in 2015 after her body was stolen up to 200 times in one day. Then for the more recent charges, it was June 26th and June 29th of 2016, he was spotted by employees and on security cameras that were finally installed after Julie went missing. In the footage, you can see that Bill is attempting to get inside of the funeral home. He ended up pleading guilty to the two criminal trespass charges and spent two days in jail. A lot of people question why he was trying to get inside of that funeral home those days. Was it to gain supplies to maintain Julie's corpse? 
or was it simply to do some of his own investigating and to see what he could find out on his own? In February of 2018, the Mott family was awarded $8 million from the lawsuit against the Mission Park funeral home. This coming August will be six years since Julie's remains were stolen and her family was robbed the chance to fulfill her last final wishes. Many people don't think that Bill is involved, but many more do believe he's involved and has done something with her. One of those questions is, why would Bill steal her body? What would be his purpose? Apparently, at some point, he had expressed his dissatisfaction with the fact that she was going to be cremated. He wanted to be able to have a place to go and visit her, and the fact that her family was not planning to lay her to rest in a dedicated spot had him really upset, even though that this was Julie's wishes. So people think that he stole her and buried her somewhere so he could visit her any time he wanted. If you or anyone you know has information about the whereabouts of Julie Mott's remains, you can call in at 210-225-8477. If you're not already a part of our private Facebook group, be sure to find us on Facebook at Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group. In there, we talk about all the cases that we cover, share pictures, and discuss all things true crime. Be sure to also follow us on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast. If you haven't already hit subscribe on your preferred podcast platform, make sure you do so so you're notified every single time a new episode goes live. Crimeaholics, that's all for now. Until next time, be aware and take care.